As the economy opens up again, the pandemic has hit small businesses the hardest. Even before the virus, banks would shun them and they'd have to look elsewhere for financing. I've spoken to mums who struggle to feed their kids because of the very high cost of repayments. I've spoken to elderly people who become very withdrawn and, and often say they've actually become ill as a result of the stress of these loans. One credit firm is offering instant loans of up to £500,000. It's called Nationwide Corporate Finance, and for the last few years, they've been making a killing. He flies the sales team out to Monaco or Spain for Christmas parties every year and seems to live quite a nice life, as does his father, who posts pictures online of him next to fancy cars in Monaco. But for the borrowers at the other end of the bargain, it's a very different story. I'm just kind of stuck in the middle. and I'm 76 now and I can't stand it any longer. He's taking his toll. A year-long Sunday Times investigation has found that nationwide corporate finance is accused by its customers of using aggressive sales tactics that are putting borrowers' homes at risk. You're listening to Stories of Our Times from The Times and The Sunday Times. I'm Manveen Rana. Today, the house hustlers. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. My daughter said to me, Mum, a friend is expanding her business. She wants to approach you about helping her out with a loan. This friend of her daughter's, who she'd known for a decade and trusted, came to her and said, I'm having some cash flow issues with my new business. Kenza Bryan is a reporter on the money team at The Times and The Sunday Times. She's been speaking to Jill, a 76-year-old widow from Dorking, as part of her investigation into nationwide corporate finance. It was a nursery business. It was a £30,000 loan. And Jill thought, why not? She said, there is no pressure, Mum. Mum, you don't have to do it. But would you meet her? I thought, yeah, I'd like to see her get on you know and she said she had this very brief meeting the very next day with a salesman who who came round to her house and as soon as he came through the door he was looking at his watch the man turned up with these papers looking at his watch right from the word go 
He only stayed for about 20 minutes and he put a pile of papers down in front of her and said, you've got to sign here, here, here and here. It was all bang, bang, bang. And these documents are sizable pieces of, you know, they're about 10 pages. How the hell can you be expected to read and digest all that with a man standing over you offering you the pen? You know, I felt so pressured, so I signed it. She just thought she was being a guarantor. She just thought she was helping her daughter's friend out. And she ended up guaranteeing £90,000 worth of loans. And by the time I spoke to her just a few months ago, she was being asked for £360,000 final repayment and being told she had to sell both her own property And so she's had this threat of of homelessness really hanging over her for a number of years. It was actually just a few weeks into my new job on the money desk and someone wrote in and said, I've guaranteed a loan for a friend and it's all gone terribly wrong. About a year ago, Kenza got an email from someone who'd agreed to act as a guarantor on a loan. And now the loan company was threatening to repossess three of their properties. We assumed it was a straightforward kind of guarantor loan gone wrong story because it's notoriously risky to put your name down on a friend's loan. And we went ahead and started writing it as the week progressed towards Sunday, which is when it was going into print. And then Thursday, I got a call from the woman who'd written in and she said, this company you're writing about, Nationwide Corporate Finance, they've offered me £3,000 to retract my story. So if they take out all references to you? No, 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 because that's still a breach. A breach, like I said, this is, this, that's literally on the basis that there is, they are holding the run. Oh, if they don't run the story? Yeah. That's right. a recording of Nationwide okay. Corporate well, Finance calling clients and offering them thousands of pounds to stop them speaking to the Sunday Times. So obviously our ears pricked up more than they had already pricked up. We started paying a little bit more attention. And then as we progressed towards the print deadline, she called us again and said they've actually upped that to £7,000. Yeah. Yeah, she gets just under £7,000 back. Great. But you also got liable for any sort of further future court battles and liable for £26,000 in damages. Yeah. And we thought we really need to take another look at this. And we've been looking at it ever since. When we published the story, BlackRock Secured Finance, which was the name of the company at the time, said the cases and issue have been resolved. As is standard practice across the sector, early termination of our agreements usually involves all outstanding payments being made due to the beneficial tax relief and tax efficiency of the agreements. If our clients are in any way unhappy, we work with them to address any issues. They broadly denied the main allegations in our story. When you first heard about the story, I mean, what did you think? My mind was boggled, to be honest, because it's very easy to assume that people should really be fully aware of of all the risks involved when they guarantee a loan or, or take out any kind of financial product. And that's certainly what we thought when we spoke to just one person. But over the past year, speaking to 35 families of borrowers and guarantors and speaking to all sorts of people involved in the industry, I've been struck by how similar their stories have been and how sophisticated and intelligent a lot of these borrowers were. It became clear quite fast that this wasn't a question of gullible or stupid people who hadn't read the small print. 
the people we were dealing with were solicitors and accountants and just ordinary people. One of those people was Jill, the widow from Dorking. Tell me more about what happened to her. She lost her husband very suddenly in in 2016. And the first thing she told me when I spoke to her was, you know, Kenza, people always say it's the second year of grief that's the hardest. That's when it really hits you. Now, it all happened on the 12th of January 2016. It was the day David Bowie died. So that evening, my husband, he was was snuggling up to his hot water bottle because he was a cold merchant. And he said, oh, I'm bowied out. I'm going up to bed. Came over, gave me a kiss goodnight. He went to bed and I went to bed. When I got up in the morning, I went to say, good morning. And he died. It was in the second year after she was grieving her husband. Um, She had just started taking antidepressants. I wasn't looking after myself. I didn't take any interest in how I looked or anything. I was a real, real low. Um, She was suffering after effects of Bell's palsy and that was stress-induced. And... her daughter's friend approached her to guarantee a loan. As a result of that decision to act as a guarantor for her daughter's friend, who'd taken out a £90,000 loan, Jill is now facing the prospect of both of her properties, including her home, being repossessed, and repayments of over £300,000. An astonishing figure. So how did it all go so spectacularly wrong? One of the reasons the numbers jumped so much is that this wasn't a straightforward loan agreement. What Jill didn't realise when she signed those papers is she was really taking out an incredibly sophisticated type of business finance, which is usually used by big companies who might have lots of capital in their name, like big tractors or very expensive laptops. And when she was approached by the person offering the loans, I mean, did she did she read the contract? So Jill says, and in fact all our borrowers say, that they were never sent any paperwork before these salesmen turned up at their homes in a rush. They weren't ever allowed to keep the paperwork. So someone showed up at her door, put some papers down in front of her and said, I'm afraid I have to rush, but if you'd just like to sign here, here and here. So have some of the borrowers told you that the salesmen specifically say your home's not at risk? Yes, the line they use is, we need to take your address down for reasons of traceability, because we've been done by borrowers in the past who leg it with our money, and we need to be able to trace you. They did, in this case, tell her that they wanted to use her buy-to-let property as a guarantee, but they insisted the property would never be at risk. I suppose the context here is that When you use your own home to guarantee a loan for a friend or a business partner, that's an incredibly risky thing to do. And there's very strong legal precedent which says before doing that, the company who's asking you to do that has to check that you've taken legal advice. Right, because it's such a significant move. Exactly. Neither Jill nor any of the borrowers or guarantors we've spoken to say that they had any chance to take legal advice for those initial loans because how could they take legal advice if if they were asked to sign on the spot and the incredible thing with these salesmen is that they all had different excuses for why they were in a rush some of them said they were parked on double yellow lines others said they had a meeting in 30 minutes or a meeting on the other side of the country he was this bloke waiting for me to sign this paperwork 
continually looking at his watch, how he'd got to go to Milton Keynes or something for another meeting. And for Jill, when did she realise that this deal was going very badly wrong? So Jill guaranteed two loans in February and then in April. And it wasn't until October that she realised she'd signed up for a, a hell of a lot more than she'd bargained for. She received a call from a nationwide corporate finance salesman who told her, the person you've guaranteed the loan for is £7,000 behind on payments. She said, there's been a bit of a glitch this month. She said, I, I will pay it. Don't you worry about it. I said, are you sure? I said, I don't want to exacerbate any debts or anything. She said, yes, I will. But of course, she didn't. The nursery business that her daughter's friend had set up wasn't going well. A nationwide corporate finance salesman told her, unless you pay this amount today, £7,000 today. Today? Yeah, your home is at risk. And she said, what? My home? Why would my home be at risk? I've just guaranteed a £90,000 loan. My home's worth at least three times that amount. And in fact, the only home I put up as a guarantee was my buy-to-let. And they said, no, your residential property is also at risk. The home you're living in is at risk. She says she felt incredibly stressed. And the way she describes it is a, a black hole that opened up and that never stopped widening. She clearly felt very alone. She was lucky she had the support of her two children. But she says when she finally sat down with some independent lawyers who told her, I don't think you've got a choice. I think you've got to, to put both your homes up on the, up for sale. My stomach dropped. I had to run to the bathroom. I was in such a state. And a lot of the borrowers I've spoken to use similar language. They say that their world suddenly stands still and that they sort of descend into hell from that moment when they're told the house you're living in is at risk, is no longer really your own. How is Jill coping? I think she felt a lot of shame for putting at risk the house that her beloved husband left her, basically. He did everything. He was so clever. I've, I've thrown all that away. And so, oh, I've let, the, I've, I've let my husband down. And I think it feels really great for her to know that she's not the only person trapped in this situation and that there are also lawyers out there who, who are taking on many, many cases that are similar to hers. And is there legal hope for Jill? I mean, will she have to sell her home now? The interesting thing is that the consensus seems to be that no judge would ever evict a 76-year-old woman from her home. Despite that, they do have the power to threaten to take people's homes away. And it's those threats that help them get a lot of money out of the borrowers. So what seems to happen usually is borrowers and guarantors end up settling hundreds of thousands of pounds, double or triple the amount initially borrowed, because of this very visceral fear that they're going to be made homeless. And whether or not that fear is justified is almost besides the point. You've spoken to a lot of people who've had dealings with this company up and down the country. Tell me about some of the others. Well, there's been all sorts of characters who've ended up borrowing from nationwide corporate finance. I've spoken to mums who struggled to feed their kids because of the very high cost of repayments. 
I've spoken to elderly people who become very withdrawn and often say they've actually become ill as a result of the stress of these loans. They talk about depression and anxiety and, and feeling like they're not sure they want to wake up in the morning because they, they feel so trapped. One of the women involved says she was actually suffering from PTSD really? because of that terrible moment of realisation, which all the borrowers speak of, that they thought they were taking a loan out and actually it's their house that's on the line. There was one young couple who said they thought they'd lose their baby. The younger woman was pregnant. And oh, God. She didn't really understand how the baby could survive so much stress. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. How did nationwide corporate finance respond when you approached them about what they were doing? Nationwide corporate finance do insist that every single borrower was fully aware of the risks to their home. They insist it's a very normal way of lending money. In fact, they tell us they're not even lending money, they're offering a service. That's the loophole here. They say that what they were really doing was buying goods off people and renting them back to them. Is that normal? Is that how loans normally work? No, normally, as anyone listening will know, you borrow money, there's a set interest rate. And the faster you pay back, the less interest you end up paying. But that's not at all the case here. In this case, what seems to have happened is during those crucial signing meetings when nationwide corporate finance salesmen came around to people's homes, they also got their camera phones out and started taking pictures of, of things in their homes or on their premises. So they would take pictures of oh. um, a fish and chip fryer in the case of a pub or floorboards if you were sitting in your living room. We even had a case of a woman whose fruit bowl ended up in these pictures. And then nationwide corporate finance types up descriptions of all those items, adds them to the documents, and then says, what's really happened here is you've sold us those goods, the fish and chip fryer, the floorboards, the fruit bowl, and what you're now doing is renting those goods back from us. <laughs> it's, is there, I mean, that just sounds ludicrous. Is, yeah. is that explained at any point when they're signing these, these contracts that they're not signing a normal loan, they've just sold everything the salesman can see 
No is the answer the borrowers have always given. When the salesmen whipped out their cameras, what I'm told they would say is just, we need to take some pictures just to prove you are who you say you are and to prove these are your premises. They don't really ask for permission. It just all happens very fast. Do you have to sign on the spot? I mean, the interesting thing here is that there wasn't a gun to the head of any of these borrowers or guarantors, and they all know deep down that they just shouldn't have signed the documents. But there were interesting psychological factors at play because I guess if you're told there'll be £50,000 in your bank account the next day and a salesman knocks on your door and says, I've only got 20 minutes, you'll get the documents anyway to have a good read of them. This is a loan, 3% interest rate, sign here, here and here. I guess you're lulled into a false sense of security. So does it seem that some of these people will be able to get their money back or, or you know, hang on to their homes? Well, the interesting loophole here is that after the financial crisis, the whole payday lending industry was cleaned up to some extent. So pretty much any form of lending came under regulation and is now looked at by the Financial Conduct Authority. And people who borrow money from lenders are able to go to the ombudsman, which helps settle disputes over lending. But the problem here is that, as we've discussed, it wasn't technically a loan. It was a a sale and leaseback agreement. That's not covered by the regulator at the moment. I mean, the only way you grow a company is by borrowing money. And to some extent, they helped people do that. But the question is whether these people should have been given as much money as they were given and whether they were fully aware of of all the risks they were taking and, and more than that, the risks their grandparents were taking. Tell me about nationwide corporate finance. How do they operate and how unusual is this? I hope it's very unusual. They operate out of a business park in Milton Keynes in Buckinghamshire, which has got a big green NCF logo plastered on the outside. And they claim to be a few different separate companies, but they're all registered at the same address and they're all owned by the same holding company. And that holding company is owned by one man. And they've got this team of of salesmen, almost entirely men, who we've been given a little insight into by an insider, a former salesman who agreed to speak to us. What the whistleblower kept telling me on the phone very insistently was just, have you seen the film The Wolf of Wall Street? Which is about the kind of seedy world of New York stockbroking. And he was really obsessed with this idea and clearly found it quite stressful. And he just wanted to get across the kind of pressure not only the borrowers were under, but that the salesmen were under. Because they were assigned, he says, a letter of the alphabet each, according to to how much favour they had found with the boss. And obviously, you know, the best salesmen and the ones who asked the fewest questions were given A, B or C. But if you took a sick day or if you questioned the practices of the firm, you might be downgraded to X, Y or Z. And that letter gave you the right to call up borrowers whose name started with that letter, who would come in, whose inquiries would come in through the website. So he says it was very high paced, very aggressive. I mean, this firm is clearly the, the great survivor in this sort of fairly aggressive lending industry. What do we actually know about the people behind it? What do we know about the company itself? Well, we know that it's a family-run company, really. The man who owns the holding firm that owns all these sister companies is called Martin Robbins, and he splits his time between Monaco and Spain. Yeah. Um, 
and he flies the sales team out to Monaco or Spain for Christmas parties every year and seems to live quite a nice life, as does his brother, who is also director of one of the companies, as does his father, who posts pictures online of him next to fancy cars in Monaco. People they lend to are living in fear of losing their homes. They're they're able to sustain a lifestyle in Monaco. (laughs) In Monaco and Spain and... Martin Robbins has this gorgeous mansion near the business park in Milton Keynes. I guess it, it almost comes down to this, this quite medieval question of, of money lending. How much money should you be allowed to make off lending money? And clearly this family has, has done quite well out of it. So part of this kind of moment that all the borrowers have when they realise their home is at risk is that they're also sent documents which show that Even once they've paid the final amount back, which could be, you know, if they've borrowed £150,000, it could be that they have to pay £300,000 back. They still have to make three months or six months worth of repayments as a notice period. And then they have to pay 10% of the final amount to get the charge released on their properties or to buy back their assets like the fish and chip fryer. So there's this ridiculous amount of terms and conditions. For Nationwide Corporate Finance, this has been a highly profitable business strategy. Kenza Bryan and the money team put their allegations to the company directly. They claim that every single one of their borrowers and guarantors must take independent legal advice or is given the opportunity to do so. They tell us that it's clear from the documents, which it is, that these were sophisticated hire agreements not straightforward loans. But what's in a contract is probably irrelevant if a person isn't given the time to read that contract. Here's the statement Kenza received from Nationwide Corporate Finance. So Nationwide Corporate Finance say that it's helped provide secured finance at short notice for more than 25,000 companies, helping some survive without ever having to repossess a property. Customers always get independent legal advice. Less than 1% of our finance agreements fail. It is very sad when a business closes, but there is a tendency to blame those who provided the financing and overlook the fact that the terms of that financing were agreed by everyone involved at the start. In the past 20 years, we have never had to repossess a property and no complaint has been upheld by the Financial Ombudsman Service website against NCF or its associated companies. So if they've never repossessed a property, I suppose that means people tend to pay up however much they ask at the last minute. Yes, and and people end up just selling their homes. We did speak to one man who said his family had been made homeless by this and was in temporary accommodation. What's the difference really between repossession through the courts or, or putting so much pressure on someone that they sell their house? Take us back to where we started, to, to the case of Jill. What's happened to her now? What's happened to her case? Jill is determined to pursue her case through the courts and simply feels that she's been mistreated. She has a phenomenal amount of energy for a 76-year-old who's been through quite a lot. She's made contact with Brown Rudnick, this law firm who want to build a class action of all the borrowers we know of. And there are around 200, I would say, 200 families. The families involved in the lawsuit are hoping to get compensation – 
but their biggest concern is getting the charges removed from their homes. That's what gives nationwide corporate finance the power to repossess them. These families just want to feel like their homes are their own again. I'm glad the facts are at least out there. And I think such strong testimonies should, I hope, stand up, even if nationwide corporate finance have have got money on their side. And people's memory of those meetings should be taken seriously. Given there are so many of them with identical experiences. Yeah, exactly. I think the number of people who, who tell such similar stories has to count for something. With those people that you've been talking to, I mean, what sort of long-term mental toll has this had? In these interviews, it's been incredibly common for people to break down in tears and to talk about struggling to get out of bed in the morning and feeling very trapped and very down. The couple who thought they would lose their baby from the stress of it sent me a picture recently of a very sweet little boy who was born about a month ago. Some good news. So that's great. And a lot of these borrowers have shown, and and guarantors, have shown an incredible amount of strength in dealing with this company over a number of years. And a lot of them have a lot of fire in them. They feel like they've been mistreated and, and they've put the pieces of the puzzle together. And that really gives them a lot of energy to fight this company. It's really interesting that back in 2008, after the financial crash, there was a real effort to try to regulate the lending industry. Is there another push now for regulation, for for something to be done? I mean, as we come out of coronavirus lockdown, we know we're expecting a lot of small businesses in particular to really struggle. Uh, A lot of them will need loans. Is this a massive vulnerability that the regulators should be looking into? Yes, I think that's right. The Treasury Select Committee has been pushing the government. So the Treasury Select Committee is a body in Parliament that's meant to hold the Treasury and the government to account. And they have said repeatedly, we need to start regulating lending to small businesses because we see them as corporate entities, but really they're just young entrepreneurs who who don't necessarily know as much about financial services as they should and they talked about the risk of a catastrophe happening they talked about very serious risks to these entrepreneurs and they don't look good for the financial conduct authority and they're they're desperate to close that gap from what i understand and from what they say in parliament but it's it's down to the treasury really who funds the fca to extend their remit and to say there should be no such thing as unregulated lending is there something about the UK that just makes us much more vulnerable to to these kind of lending companies? Well, certainly when you read what people in the Treasury say about lending, there's a real emphasis on competition. There's this idea that the more different products that are out there, the more competitive those products will be. The government knows that for firms to be more productive, they have to be able to borrow money to expand and, and, and train up their staff and buy new machinery. And if banks aren't going to be able to lend to them, well, who is? And what the government said in response to these MPs who were demanding that that lending to small businesses be brought into regulation, the government's response was, no, we're we're delighted that there is so many different options out there for small businesses. They need access to credit. And if we regulate them, there'll be fewer options for them. There's this idea that the more regulated a sector is, the less competitive it will be and the more expensive it will be to borrow, which in turn will make businesses less productive. 
And just for you personally, this investigation, what has it taught you? I think it's taught me something about how to manage people who are afraid, but on who your story and your investigation relies, because every single one of the families I spoke to had to weigh up the risk in their heads and knew that if they appeared in the paper, it wasn't impossible that nationwide corporate finance would would follow through on their threats to, to repossess their house or to demand payment. So all of them thought that talking to me would make their situation worse because they all felt so let down by the government and the police and the regulators who they'd often already appealed to that it was almost a case of explaining to them how much good journalism can do and, and why it's important to have facts out there in black and white. And I, I could never promise them that they would get compensation or that their homes wouldn't be repossessed or that their grandmother would recover from the stress of it all. But I could promise them that at least it would be in print and the facts would be out there and maybe they wouldn't feel quite so trapped. I'm feeling stronger. There are moments when I crumble, but in the main, I am generally, I am stronger than I was a couple of years ago. Oh God, I was in a stage. Oh my word. sleepless nights, oh, tossing and turning, feeling I'd failed my husband because he wanted to make sure, you know, that our future was secure. And it was. And it's just me being so trusting towards this woman. Oh, Jeanette, that's why I say hindsight is a wondrous thing. If she approached me now, well, obviously I wouldn't have done it. But I was just in a, a, a bad place at that time. You've been listening to Stories of Our Times with me, Manveen Rana, and my guest, money reporter at The Times and The Sunday Times, Kenza Bryan. You can read more of Kenza's work at thetimes.co.uk or in print. The producers were Leona Hamid and Asia Fuchs. The executive producer is Leo Hornack and the deputy executive producer is Poppy Damon. Sound design was by Nicola Rolfast. Music by Breakmaster Cylinder. Do leave us a review and let us know what you think of the podcast. You can subscribe for free. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast and more. Next week you'll get a break from me and David. And to mark the launch of Times Radio, we'll have some of the presenters taking over stories of our times all week. More on that soon. But in the meantime, see you tomorrow.
Want truly hydrated skin? Medocia's Body Care Breakthrough Hyaluronic Body Serum. It's clinically proven to increase hydration by 161%. It's lightweight, fast-absorbing, and delivers 24 hours of hydration for silky smooth skin without any sticky afterfeel. Treat your skin to clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order with code SUMMER at OseaMalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu.com code SUMMER.